welcome to The Carlina Show, where ordinary people share their hero's journey. I'm your host, Carlina Angwin, and this is episode 16 of the podcast. Today on the show, we have Steve Exine. Steve is a Marine veteran, father, and founder of Ride for 22, a nonprofit organization that seeks to raise awareness about veteran suicide. Steve discusses the journey that led him to start Ride for 22. He talks about how his organization started with three people and grew to include thousands of riders in Idaho and Oregon. Riders who display a picture of someone's loved one during the three-hour ride, so families know their loved one is not forgotten. We have a special appearance on the show today. Steve's nine-year-old daughter, Sarai, joins us at the end and says hello. You can connect with me on social media or visit the Carlina Show website at carlina.net. That's C-A-R-L-E-E-N-A dot net. From there, you can find links to the show notes, past episodes, and sign up for the mailing list. I'd like to thank Steve and Lorca for video editing and production which makes it possible for us to post on the YouTube channel as well as the podcast. Now I bring you Steve Exine. I don't know anybody in Idaho. You know me now. <laughs> Do you know anybody in Tennessee? Uh, you. <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure I've met a, there's some families out there that I've met that are from Tennessee, but yeah, we've only met a few families in person. So. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay, so you ready to get started? <laughs> Do it. Okay, all right. So yeah, so just tell me, tell me a little bit about you now, um, just so people know who you are and what you're up to. Well, my name's uh, Steve Exine. I am a uh, I got out of the Marine Corps in 02. I am now a single father and a full-time student. Uh, I go to college at uh, CWI. I am pursuing a, a degree in communication, and uh, I also help run a nonprofit called uh, Ride for 22. Okay. Okay. And what is Ride for 22? So what Ride for 22 is, is we seek to serve as a living memorial. And we uh, use that to, to honor the fallen that have died by suicide. Uh, we help families that have been left behind. And we, a big aspect of what we do is to help families and, and honor these fallen veterans that have taken their life. But we also want to help veterans that are here with education and resources um, to get them the help that they need, we're kind of like a hub. Uh, so, like a veteran contacts us, we will, uh, you know, find them the right sources they need, mm-hmm. or try to do our best to help them with what we can here. Because um, a lot of veterans, when they reach out to somebody, they want to get help now. Mm-hmm. They don't want to be pawned off to somebody else. So, if we're able to assist them as much as we can when they contact us or talk to us, um, that's what we'll do. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, so when did you enlist in the Marine Corps? I uh, joined the Marine Corps April 28th of 1997. Don't, don't age me. <laughs> <laughs> so were you the class of 96 then? At a high school? Yeah. You graduated high school in 96. Okay. Okay. So then you're a year older because I graduated high school in 97. So, um, okay. Gotcha. So and, I'll be 42. So. Okay. Okay. Um, 
Gotcha. So, um, so tell me a little bit about your, your childhood growing up, like what led you to enlist in the uh, Marine Corps? Yeah, so just like any other typical childhood, you know, I'm from a small town and uh, this town I grew up in is called 10 Mile, Oregon. This is a small, you know, country town, population of like two, you know, <laughs> it's a really, really small town. Uh, first went to Douglas High School. I uh, went there until my sophomore year and then I decided we moved. So I decided to, I could have finished out my time at Douglas, but I transferred to Roseburg High School. I, I would say I was a little bit of a troublemaker growing up. You know, I didn't have any uh, self-motivation, you know, it was more of, I just didn't dedicate myself, you know, I was just didn't really care, you know, and, and the Marine Corps pursued me, but they didn't pursue me like a couple other branches did. It was more of like the other branches were trying to sell it, mm-hmm. you know, this is, you know, this, this, this. And then the Marine Corps re- recruiter goes, if you want to be a Marine, you'll contact me. They weren't trying to use a sales pitch, you know, it felt like right. I was trying to be sold something. And I didn't think that they focused on what the Marine Corps or what the military can do for me mm-hmm. and or what I can do for the military. So I, uh, one day I called the recruiter up on a, on a Friday and I said, if I can't go now, I'm not going at all. So that <laughs> gone. So you enlisted, really- you enlisted that day then, that Friday? Yeah. Yeah, so that Friday I went in, and that Friday I went in and uh, signed all the paperwork, went to MEPS, and uh, from MEPS I went to went to boot camp, and I was gone, and I did uh, almost six years. Almost six years, okay, okay, and so you got out, did you say 2002? November 15th of 2002. Okay, so that was before the invasion, so did you go overseas? No, so my unit deployed, I believe it was 0405. I was with the uh, first radio battalion. Okay. 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 And what what sort of things did you do in the Marine Corps? Where were you stationed or where did you go? So my first duty station I was it was uh, Japan. I went to Okinawa first. My MOS was uh, supply, which is 3051. Uh, and it was funny to backtrack about why I enlisted cuz you know the they the the Marine Corps is the hardest branch. And everybody was like, I don't want to be a Marine. It's 13, 13 weeks of boot camp. And I was like, God, that's a long, long time to be. <laughs> and especially, you know, I've seen a couple of guys that went in. And, and my recruiter is really cool. He goes, we're peacetime right now. So you can be a grunt. And all you're going to do is fill sandbags. You know, I say this to a lot of people I know. And they're like, you're going to fill sandbags, go empty them. And fit just that's all you're going to do because we're peacetime. Mm-hmm. He goes, or we can get you some skills that if you decide to get out, you have skills that you can, you know, work in a civilian sector. So that's when he said supply is a perfect MOS. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. Mm-hmm. So that's the job I decided to do. And after I graduated boot camp, so I got hurt in boot camp. Uh, I was about a month in and I started, my feet started hurting really bad. So I went to the the medic down there in uh, Balboa and they deemed that I had stress fractures in both my feet and they put me in a boot. So I went back to my unit when I was in boot camp and they, he, my drill instructor come back and he goes, if that boot's on, when I come back, I'm dropping you, <laughs> which means you dropped means you go to uh, the medical platoon uh-huh. and then you, have to, then you have to rehab and then you basically start over again. So you can be in boot camp for months, mm-hmm. longer than you're supposed to. I was like, forget this, <laughs> took the boot off, threw it away and I finished my training. Wow. Uh, it was, you know, 12 weeks and then the, your week of, you know, getting ready to be, you know, graduation, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So they they kept me after I graduated, I went back 
to MCRD and I stayed there for 30 days to um, rehabilitate my feet. Mm-hmm. From there, after my uh, your uh, school of infantry, I went to school in North Carolina or South Carolina, yeah. And then after graduating my school, my first duty station was Japan. I was there for a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, from there, I went to school of infantry back to Camp Pendleton. I was there for a couple years. I re-enlisted in the Marine Corps, and then I went to Hawaii for two years, and that's when I got out. Okay. Oh, yeah, Kaneohe Bay, Hawaii. Okay, okay. And you said you got out um, early? Yeah, I got out in uh, six years. So I re-enlisted, and I got out two years after I re-enlisted. Okay, okay. Um, and then, so, did you come from a military family? Yeah, so my brother was in the Navy, my uncle was in the Navy, my grandpa was in the Navy, so a lot of Navy in my family. Mm-hmm. And uh, my great-great-grandpa, I think a great-grandpa, yeah, my great-grandpa, he was a Marine. Mm-hmm. And so I think, looking back, I was like, every time I would go visit, he would just sit in this recliner <laughs> and talk to you, the scariest guy ever. So I was like, well, that's what I want to be. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. So, um, so... What happened um, between 2002 and when you decided to found Ride for 22? Just kind of give me an overview of that time. Got out of the Marine Corps. I had I got out a different way because I had some personal family stuff that happened when I was in. So trying to cope with dealing with what happened with my family to getting out the way I got out. Um, it was it was different, you know. Um, everybody has their own story of why you know, why they get out of the military mm-hmm. and, uh, sorry about that, my foot got caught, um, of why they get out. And so when I got out, it was more of like trying to find yourself again, you know, trying to, cause when you go to boot camp, they take your identity from you and they give you another one. So you have to find yourself, find out, you know, cause when you're in, you have somebody telling you basically when you have to be at work, what to do at work, or you're telling people what to do. So it's one of those things that, your whole time in, you're being told what to do. Even if you're higher enlisted, somebody's telling you what to do. Mm-hmm. Somebody's always higher than you. Um, so it was finding that drive of now I have to motivate myself to do something. I don't have somebody pushing me. Mm-hmm. So finding that I, I worked at a little cafe just to kind of get reestablished in the world, you know, just to, I don't want to jump in and because and, I didn't know who I was, mm-hmm. you know. And I stayed in Oregon for, I worked for about a year and a half. And I was like, God, work sucks because <laughs> you just couldn't, you couldn't be honest with people. You know, mm-hmm. you can't go up to sell, tell somebody and be blunt. I felt like you have to candy coat everything. You know, you just can't, like in the Marine Corps, you just tell somebody what, how it is. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to be politically correct when it comes to certain stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I was like, let me go to school. So I attempted in 05 to go to school. I did pretty well my first semester. And I was like, because again, Back to when I was in high school, I really didn't motivate myself. It was, mm-hmm. I just kind of skated through school, you know. And so while I was going to school my first time in 05, I passed, but it was more of like whatever, you know. And so then from, because I'm from Oregon, and January of 06, I moved to Boise, Idaho, this area here. And I've been here since then. When I moved here, the first thing was, let's go to school, you know. Uh, because that was the girl I was dating. That was the thing about me moving here was for me to continue school because I only had a year left to get my associates. And so being out of state tuition is super expensive. And the GI Bill, it doesn't pay nothing. It's 
1200 bucks. I didn't have, there was not the post on 11 when I got out. Mm. So it was, it was very, very financially hard. I mean, you have to work full time plus go to school. So I was like, there's no way I can do this. Mm -hmm. So I started selling cars. So Mm -hmm. I sold cars for about five years and just got burnt out selling cars, had a kid. And so my buddy talked me into going in the cell phone business. So for five years, I sold phones. I worked for a company called Express Locations and sold phones. Did that for about, like I said, for about five years. But in the meantime of selling when I was working, uh, that's when we started this mission of Ride for 22. Okay. Okay. And what, what year was that? We started 2016. So it will be actually be three years this coming January. Okay. Okay, so what were the events that led you to start Ride for 22? So I don't know if you've ever heard of an organization called the Chive, you know, Keep Calm, Chive On. It's a big, like, just a drinking organization that donates money, mm-hmm. you know. It just And I was part of that, and it was fun. You know, we did Toys for Tots. You know, we did the, you know, we called it the Green Tie event where we got all dressed up and, and just get toys for for the Marine Corps, you know, and so they can because all the toys that we raise would stay here locally in the Treasure Valley. So we used to do events like that, just a whole bunch of charity events to um, try to pay it forward, you know. And I was one of the main admins that eight main admins that did that it was myself and Mike. I did that for a couple years, you know, while I was working. I also did charity events, mm-hmm. and I really I enjoyed, you know, paying it forward. It was, it's a big deal. It's not about the pat on the back. It's about making somebody else smile. Mm-hmm. So while I was doing that and working, a good friend of mine that I've known since he was probably eight or 10 years old, both of us are Marines. I ended up taking his life December 28th of 2015. Wow. Kind of impacted me a little bit. Uh, yeah. Well, dramatically, you know, because yeah. both of us are Marines. And I didn't serve with him because he joined in 01 and I got out in 02. Mm-hmm. We were just from the same hometown. So after his funeral, I told his parents, I'm like, I want to do something to raise awareness for veteran suicide and honor my friend. And so when I got back, I told him, I'm going to put a ride together. And they're like, okay, yeah, go ahead. You know, because I had a motorcycle. I said, I want to I want to do something on a motorcycle because I ride. And that's kind of like my, my self-healing is being on my motorcycle. Mm-hmm. So when I came back, I was like, now what do I do? I told them I'm going to do this. And I'm like, now how do you put a ride on? So I'm the type of person where I'm not going to do email. I'm not going to do phone calls. I want to see you face to face. So you can tell me no to my face. Cause that's easier for somebody to say no over the phone or via email, but it's hard for somebody to tell you no to your face. I was like, cause I kept on getting that. I kept on getting the cold shoulder when I would email somebody or I'd make a phone call. I'll call you back, whatever. So I said, like, you know what? I'm just going to go there. So I walked into High Desert Harley-Davidson. It was uh, January, second week I got back. His funeral was January 16th. So it was about a week after I got back from his funeral. I I was on a Wednesday. I said, forget this. I'm just going to go in there. So I walked in, and it happened to be Todd, which is the director of marketing, or director of, yeah, marketing, I believe it is, was there. So I walked in. I said, hey, um, may I speak with somebody that does the events? And he goes, yes, that's me. I said, okay, do you have a few minutes? He goes, you have 30 seconds. <laughs> I, was like, I, I even think he said five seconds, to be honest with you. And I'm like, yeah. I said, this is who I am. This is what happened. I want to do this. He goes, 
he kind of stepped back a little bit and was like, call me back tomorrow. So I called him the next day. And I kind of got the cold shoulder. It felt like he goes, call me back at four. I'm like, I put my thing down. I'm like, gosh, but like this, I'm like, all right. So I didn't call him at four. I called him at 4.30. (laughs) (laughs) And he goes, I'm very interested in this. I think it's a great cause. When can you come in and sit down with me? I said, well, I don't work Mondays. So we ended up making it work. And he goes, you can have the day. April 16th, 2016 was our, it was, we weren't even a nonprofit. We weren't, it was a, an awareness ride through the Chai. So the Chai Boise, because I create events and I talked to Mike and I was like, Hey, I'm going to do this event. I'll do it myself. I know you're busy. I have, I'll take care of everything. So him and I organized this event. And in the meantime, I'm trying to figure out how I can meet people that ride. Well, Doug rides. He's a part of ICMS, which is Idaho Coalition of Motorcycle Safety. So I called him up. I'm like, hey, I want to put this ride together. Can you help me? He goes, because he's a 20-year 20, 20 Air Force guy. Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, let's do it. So him and I, from January until April, did every single ride you can think of. We just wanted to meet people, tell them what we we're try- trying to achieve, and get this event to go. Mm-hmm. And then I asked his wife, Debbie, if she would help, you know, take care of the money side of everything, because our mission wasn't about raising money, but I knew mm-hmm. we were. Mm-hmm. And it was all about awareness and getting, you know, to honor my buddy. Mm-hmm. So in the meantime of doing all these rides, I contacted an organization out of Maryland called 22 Too Many. And how I found them was I searched veteran suicide nonprofits, and they're the first ones that came up. Ended up having a dialogue with Carrie, and I told him what I want to do. I said, and she laughed, because what they do is they run for veterans that have died by suicide. They'll take their picture, and they'll put it on their chest, on their back, and they run in that, in that veteran's honor. So they're not forgotten. Because mm-hmm. a stick of suicide is these veterans get left behind because of how they, how they died. Mm-hmm. And the war at home is the biggest war right now. You know, we've lost north of 121,000 veterans to suicide since 01. Wow. It's big, and Mm -hmm. people don't know how big it is. And so I told her, I was like, hey, I'm not going to (laughs) run. I said, I'm fat. (laughs) And and she starts laughing, and I said, I want to ride. I want to take your concept. I want to ride. I want to take your veterans, do exactly what you do, but ride. She Mm -hmm. goes, that's awesome. So our first ride comes in April. And we're getting everything set up, and I'm like, at, you know, back to Todd, he goes, don't expect more than 40 people. I said, you know what? I said, if I have one person that comes and it changes their mind and they get the help they need, then mission accomplished. And so the first event comes up, and I'm nervous because, you know, my family's here. My buddy's family drove in. We had families from different states come in, and... It was like 9 o'clock in the morning and nobody was there. So I'm like, you know, I put a lot of work into it. If nobody shows up, then mm-hmm. it is what it is. So about 9.30, I'm still stressed out. I'm talking to Debbie, like, and she's like, don't worry. If you don't have a 1,000 people show up, that's fine. You, you, We put our heart into this. All of a sudden, I started hearing this noise. And it felt like the ground was shaking. And I was like, oh, my God, what is this noise? <laughs> all of a sudden, all the combat vets showed up, which is a, a, it's an organization. It's an association called the Combat Veterans Association, which is a motorcycle group. Mm-hmm. And they showed up, and they, it just shook the ground. 
we ended up having 279 registered riders at our very first ride. Wow. And it, it just, Todd, the director, was like, I don't know how you three did this. I don't know how three people in roughly two months put this ride together and had such, it just made such an impact on not only the riders, but also mm-hmm. the employees as a Harley. Mm-hmm. He goes, we want to do this with you every year. And I, and I sat down and was like, gosh, <laughs> it's expensive. And, you know, to do this kind of stuff takes money, you know, to, to, to promote it. Uh, you know, it costs. Mm-hmm. And luck, this one didn't cost us anything. But if we want to keep on doing events, we have to figure out, you know, do you want to make it a nonprofit? Mm-hmm. Got to name it. And so I called Doug and Deb and I said, hey, can we meet? And they said, yeah. So we sat down. I said, well, do you guys want to go full time with this and make it a nonprofit? and start finding a way to to make a difference they said yeah it looked at me we have any money i'm like i know we gave it all away we gave about six thousand dollars to the veterans home here in boise mm-hmm. um, because it's state ran so we know that if it if we give it to them we know they'll all the money will stay with them because mm-hmm. if it's actually funded the government's going to take their candy they're going to take some money from that mm-hmm. so we want to make sure anybody that we help organizations that we help they are not federally funded. They're all, you know, privately funded or mm-hmm. they get, they run off donations. Right, uh, right. Make sure all we give goes to them, mm-hmm. you know. So we were able to do a bike wash and raise a bunch of money, about 1800 bucks, to mm-hmm. get our 501c3. I named it Ride for 22 because of 22 Too Many. Mm-hmm. And I was like, they run, we ride. Mm-hmm. What a perfect name. So yeah. we named it Ride. 22 and the number behind 22 is on an average 20 plus veterans and one active service member takes their life each day so i was like what a perfect way to to name this and Mm -hmm. now we're going into our third year well we're going into our fourth year our event coming up will be our fourth uh you know veteran suicide awareness ride so when you have the event do you get everybody together and speak on the microphone to them or yeah, just, so, yeah, if you yeah we have an itinerary mm-hmm. and so we kind of, we, this year will be different because we've, we've gotten so big. I mean, it, it, it blew up overnight. I mean, this year, this year we had about 900 and something riders. Wow. We went from 279 to 400 to 900. Plus we had about 125 Jeeps. Mm-hmm. So we put about a thousand vehicles on the road at one time. So when you get so big like that, the city gets involved. Mm-hmm. Um, so the city of Meridian got involved, which they weren't negative about it. You know, we sat down and we compromised with them. They compromised with us. And so this year they're going to they're gonna block traffic for us because you have to have a, a traffic blocked mm-hmm. to have so many motorcycles on the road. Right. So our itinerary basically we're started a little bit earlier this year so we can get these riders out there. Mm-hmm. So typically we'll have our registration. So when, I don't know if you've ever been to a motorcycle ride. Have you? I have. Yeah. For a children's advocacy center. Yeah. Okay. It was a fundraiser. Well, people will register, right? They'll pay their mm-hmm. registration fee. So we'll have a table and they'll come up and there's a pre-registration table and a registration table. So people come up and they'll register. And then the very next table over is a table that has all of our veterans on it. Um, cause I'm sure you looked at ride for 22's page mm-hmm. yeah. and all those veterans we will, we'll do is we'll take them a four by six laminated and they'll be out there. So mm-hmm. a rider will walk up and they'll grab that veteran mm-hmm. and they'll ride in their honor. Mm-hmm. So when we share that, 
those families will see somebody stranger writing for their son, daughter, wife, husband. And it helps them, I believe, it helps them deal with losing their loved one, seeing somebody they don't even know mm-hmm. honoring their loved one. And then once the ride starts, we'll do colors, national anthem. We have a guest speaker. And then I'll, I'll more of like the MC mm-hmm. of the event. So I'll just introduce people. I speak a little bit. What do you and say? Then, what do you say? Just depends on, on the event. And I, I wing it a lot. <laughs> so, Give me an example of what you would say. <laughs> well, first of all, we thank everybody. We thank, you know, Harley Davidson. Uh, we thank all of our volunteers, our guest speakers. And I, I, I try to stay away from statistics because I believe if you focus on a number, you're not going to complete the mission. Mm-hmm. And I, it's more of just saying thank you for being here. Thank you to the families that came in. Because they fly for, we had families fly from Florida. Oh, wow. East coast of Boise, Idaho. So we thank them for being here. Thank them for allowing us to honor their loved one. Because we get their permission. A lot of these that I've seen, they just grab them off the internet. There's a website you can go to and you can find out how people die, how veterans die. And there's sometimes a photo there. We physically talk to these families to get their permission because we want their we want them to know who we are. And so it's I wing it a lot. <laughs> you know, like I'm speaking this this Saturday, this Sunday. I have about ten minutes and I, I throw some stuff together. I just I kinda mm-hmm. I have bullet point but when i only have about four or five minutes to speak so it's not like a a lot usually i'll talk about veteran suicide i'll hit on statistics i'll talk about idaho and then i turn it over to a couple other people our guest speaker and then doug does the motorcycle safety Mm -hmm. safety first you're putting a thousand miles in the road you want to make sure safety right and we get once we leave we do our ride which is about three hours or so, mm-hmm. and we come back, and typically every year we'll raffle something off. Like la- this year we did a Jeep. Last year we did a motorcycle. Uh, this year we're doing another motorcycle. And then that money that we raise, we pick organizations and families that we help. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Um, so, yeah, so talk a little bit about um, what people should know about veterans and and you call it pts you don't call it ptsd you can call it both you know i call okay. it because i don't it's not about verbiage you know mm-hmm. I, I think that people say what they want right mm-hmm. it's post-traumatic stress mm-hmm. i don't like the word disorder mm-hmm. that's just me that's what it is just like i used to say when i first started you say commit suicide mm-hmm. and the word commit there's a thousand different definitions but the one that people focus on is a crime. Mm-hmm. These veterans didn't commit a crime. Mm-hmm. So we use, you know, we, we change that verbiage to die by suicide mm-hmm. uh, or take their life. Or, you know, we just don't use the word commit. Mm-hmm. So I call it PTS. We call it PTSD. I just post-traumatic stress. Mm-hmm. I call it. It just depends on, you know, how I write it up, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so what should people know about um, when um, someone in the military returns home um, from combat? Is it, gen- is it generally from combat or is it just in general leaving the military? Or what, um, what should people know about um, 
PTS and, and veterans? So, well, the biggest thing is don't be afraid, you know, especially with, with uh, just what happened that these past few days. Um, it, it's really tough because I'm non-combat. So I served during non-combat. Um, I am service-connected for post-traumatic um, just because of what happened to me in my personal life. We just need to understand that what is post-traumatic? What is PTS? Mm-hmm. First, we have to break it down. And I'm learning that good thing is I'm going to school full-time, so I'm kind of learning critical thinking and learning how to think differently, you know, because mm-hmm. when I was in the Marine Corps, it was just work, 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 train, 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 and then have fun. And so going to school full-time has made me think differently and using more of my thinking skills is you break post-traumatic down. What is what is traumatic? Something that's happened in your life. What is stress? That traumatic incident caused stress. It causes stress in your life. Post means after an incident, right? So you have to break it down is just because you served in the military doesn't mean you have post-traumatic. Um, you have to find out just because you served in combat doesn't mean you have post-traumatic stress. Mm-hmm. We have to break it down of what it is that causes you to have post-traumatic stress. And I, 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 I don't want to get into it, but I think the media kind of takes that to different contexts. They think, oh, he's combat, he has post-traumatic stress. Mm-hmm. If you look at the, I don't know the statistics, um, because it's such a, it's so hard to find the numbers of how many people actually go to combat in the military. I know it's a very, very small number, mm-hmm. even though you're sending you know, you know, thousands of people to serve, but how many of them actually pull the trigger, right? Um, it's, I, I believe it's a small number. I believe a lot of it is that coming home mm. and getting out and having that, not being told what to do, um, not being controlled, basically. I wouldn't say mind control, but you're controlled in the military. It's a different world. And I believe that you have your civilian sector and you have your military. You can't combine the two. Mm-hmm. They're two different worlds. If you try to take civilian stuff and put it in the military, you're going to destroy the military. Mm-hmm. So you have to keep the two worlds apart. And I think that's what has been happening is they've been sucking this civilian sector in the military. You can't. It has to be a separate, separate entity, a different world. Mm-hmm. There's different laws. Um, everything's different in the military. So keep that to itself. And then the civilian sector keeps it to yourself. But it's, your question's difficult when it comes to, um, you know, veterans that they have post-traumatic. Not everybody has post-traumatic stress. Mm-hmm. You know, we just can't use it as an excuse mm-hmm. to, to things that happen in the world. I know that there people that have post-traumatic, they'll forget stuff. All of a sudden, like I was talking to a guy today, is sometimes you drive home and you're like, how did I get home? Like you leave, but now you're at your house. That whole hour you forgot. Mm-hmm. That's your that's the critical thinking and thinking that you might have forgot, you know, because your mind play, kind of plays tricks on you, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, being that I'm not a combat vet, it, it's it's different from my post traumatic is different than somebody. There's non combat and there's combat. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I can't talk on the combat post traumatic because I was never there. Mm-hmm. But non combat, mine is non combat post traumatic stress. Okay. Okay. And when you, when you talk to somebody, when somebody reaches out to you who, who needs help, um, what do you, what do you, what do you say to them or what do you do or what do you suggest? It's individual. It depends on where we're at, Mm -hmm. what's going on. And the first thing I I ask them 
You know, are you okay? How's everything going? I don't really talk about, do you have post-traumatic? Because I, that should yeah. never be a conversation. You know, mm-hmm. it's, they're human just like we are, just like I am. Even though I have served, um, they're just as much as a human and they're trying to get their life back, trying to get to find their identity. Is a lot of times I ask them, are you service connected? What does that mean? So if it's your disability rating. I don't like using the word disability mm-hmm. because it's, it's like a negative word. You know, if I go up to somebody and say, hey, um, are you, do we, let's get your disability going. Like, I'm 25 years old. I'm, I'm on a disability. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but if I say service connection, again, it's the verbiage, which means did you get hurt while you were in? Mm-hmm. A lot of times is like, you know, I shot competition, so my hearing could be bad. My back, my knees, you know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know, get their service connection so they can get to the, their medical through the VA. And the, the process of that has been such a train wreck over the last few years. Finally, they're, they're getting that under a better control, you know. A lot of times, just ask them, what's going on? You know, how, you know, what can I help you with, right? And I want to make sure we get every veteran service connected. That's the biggest thing. If they, they, they did time, they deserve to get service connected. It's not about the money. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my grandpa, for an example, 82 years old, and he was a Korean War veteran, and he hasn't worked since... He'd been out because he can't. And after me talking to him, he was 50% for chronic headaches from being in the Korean War. And that's made him so he couldn't work. And I was like, Grandpa, why aren't you higher service connected for anything? So now he's 100%. So that means he can focus on himself. And I think that they want to get right back in that work field, but it's different. It's Mm -hmm. a different type of work. Even though they might work the same, it's a different environment. Mm Mm-hmm. Because you don't really have to be politically correct. <laughs> yes. You have to, I guess the word is be nice. <laughs> <You know? laughs> okay. Um, and what do you say um, to, to families? I mean, what, just, can you describe a little bit about what it's like when you, when you meet a family um, at one of your events? Um, First thing is we give them a big old hug. Yeah. You know, and, and them for being there and then tell them that their loved one will never be forgotten because they think that they think that their their husband wife daughter are going to be forgotten because how they died and i tell them they'll never be forgotten i promise you and long as i live as long as i'm doing this we will never forget your fault we'll never forget them mm-hmm. and i don't i don't i don't um how they died i don't think it's different because there's a war at home and there's a war in combat. A lot of these guys bring it home. Mm-hmm. And that's where we're trying to fight that war at home. And a lot of times we just we just it's just that extra voice, that check-in. You know, like PR, periodically I will message a, a mom, a wife, see how they're doing. And they just it blows their mind. They're like, oh my God, you're just you're actually talking to me. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, well, make sure you're okay. And we just kind of have a dialogue and a lot of them open up and it's hard because I'm not a psychiatrist. Um <laughs> And we've had families that reached out and told us they're done. They can't do this anymore. And so we'll talk to them as much as we can as, as just talking like I'm talking to you mm-hmm. and have a conversation. If it gets too far, uh, we have resources. The biggest one that we have for families is called TAPS, mm-hmm. which I was in TAPS in Florida. Mm-hmm. And that organization's amazing. They help so many people. And so we'll instantly say, here, call this number. Well, and I've had one where a wife has messaged me 11 o'clock at night 
And I'm like, and I know her. I was like, give me 24 hours before you make any rational decision. And so I contacted Bonnie at 11. She's the director of TAPS, and she's she's busy all the time. And 8 o'clock in the morning, I got a text message saying that they're already they're already taking care of the wife. So they're, wow. they're amazing at, because that's, they're a psychiatrist. They help. They're trained for that. We're not. Mm-hmm. I'm a Marine. Doug's Air Force. And Debbie's been married to Doug for, I don't know, 35 years. Mm-hmm. So his whole time in. So it's more of we do what we can to, I think what we do helps them cope. Mm-hmm. Seeing somebody ride for the loved one. Uh, and, and helping families. Mm-hmm. Some of the time we help them financially, you know. Mm-hmm. But we're still funded. We don't have a lot of money. So in all our events that we do, that's where we raise money for families. We help veterans mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. And where do you see your Ride for 22 going? Um, do you see it, it growing even bigger than it is already? Or what do you, what is, what do you see? <laughs> uh, it, it's, it's grown very big over the last two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, we don't, we have goals. I would love to be able to someday, you know, have an office and be able to have people come and sit down with us and kind of direct them more of a personal level. Uh, I don't, it's such a hard question because we didn't think we were going to be here right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, our first event was an awareness ride. It was no name. We were just trying to do something to help families that have been left behind. Mm-hmm. And it's grown to where now we help families that have been left behind. Mm-hmm. And for an example, we have two chapters, one here in, or- one here in Idaho and one in Oregon now. Mm-hmm. And all the funds that we raise stays here in Oregon and stays in Idaho. So uh, we'll pick an organization that helps veterans. Like this year was Genesis Service Dog. And what we did was is the money we raised from the Jeep went to them so they can get more service dogs for veterans. Mm-hmm. And we helped a family. She's a Marine, lost her husband last year, almost about a year ago now, I believe it was. And typically what we'll do is we'll take the funds mm-hmm. and we'll give it to the kids. So mm-hmm. when they turn 18, they have money in the bank. Well, she was like, that would be amazing, but I need something else. I need a fence because uh, she just bought a house and homeowner association was going to start finding her mm-hmm. because she can't, doesn't have a fence up. Mm-hmm. So I, Doug and I sat down and Deb and we were like, that's, we want to help them. Mm-hmm. So we built the fence and we invested in building our fence and we still got some stuff we're still working on, but we do stuff that's going to be impactful. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. 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 Um, so there's two chapters. There's one in Oregon and one in Idaho. And, um, do you see it, it going to other States or what? I, I don't see that. You, it would be kind of a challenge to organize more than two states, but um, do you see it expanding across the country? Or I, Doing rides in different states is going to be hard besides Oregon because my mom helps over there mm. and a friend. So Jennifer and my mom, Linda, mm-hmm. they run the chapter over there. It's it's trust. Mm-hmm. You know, we built this from the ground up. Yeah. And we, we, put, we do our ride in April, their ride in June. We have another ride we do in September, I think, no, August. I think mm-hmm. it's August. Yeah, August, which is in Idaho Falls. We'll start doing that every year. Mm-hmm. We do a night ride in September. So we're already doing four rides. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's a lot. 
we plan this ride now. Like right. we're already getting the motorcycles already here. Uh, you know, we'll start planning logistics now. Mm-hmm. And then we'll have five months of getting donations, getting people to buy the motorcycle, selling raffle tickets. And we're starting in January. It's, we're busy all the time. Mm-hmm. We're busy almost every weekend. Mm-hmm. I mean, we thought we were going to take November and December off to kind of self-care. Mm-hmm. And that's the biggest thing I think we miss as humans. Mm-hmm. We meant to take care of ourselves. It's not a lot of people say, uh, I self-care, I go volunteer. No, that's not self-care. You're helping somebody else. Mm-hmm. You got to take care of this before you can take care of something else. And we all, Doug, Deb, and I have worked so hard on this over the past three years that we have forgot to take care of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And that's what we've been focusing on. That you know, November, December is just take a deep breath. Mm-hmm. And we still have events coming up. You know, I'm, <laughs> you know, we have an event on Sunday, and then we're taking about three weeks off. We have two events in December. Uh, we do events, not just rides. So mm-hmm. we're busy throughout the year. Yeah, yeah. I guess I um, I forgot to mention how I, I found out about you. Um, Kevin Hines. Yes. Um, yes, I saw, so I follow him on Instagram, and he came to Chattanooga in September, and um, and was the keynote speaker there. And for people who don't know, he was one of the few people who jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge and survived. And um, and so his I mean his story is is incredibly powerful. And so I've been I've been following him, and I saw that he he had he posted a picture with you on Instagram, and I thought this is and he, he wrote something that I that I, yeah. you know. And so then I went over and um and saw your Instagram page with all of the pictures and it just, I mean, I guess I knew, um, that veteran, there was a high number of veteran suicide. I didn't know it was that high. Like I just didn't know. Um, and to go through and actually see all the pictures and then the way that you have it set up so that there's like a little, like a, like a story about each person. Now, do you write each one or do you have the family members oh. write that? How, can you talk a little bit about how you do your, that Instagram page? Yeah. So it's our Facebook and our Instagram is what we, mm. we fo- Instagram is we, I like Instagram. <laughs> so I, <do> too. <laughs> um, I have a personal page and, and yeah. as you can see, you probably looked at that. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, it's impactful. If you just say somebody's name, it's somebody's name. You put a picture with that name and a story from their loved one, it's impactful. People read that. We've received numerous messages from people, not just veterans, saying, that impacted me. I'm going to go get help. I don't want my mom to go through or my wife to go through this. Mm. And and I'll talk about the uh, why we do what we do, knowing the number's still there. I'll talk about, I'm sure you've heard of the starfish story, um, mm. but I'll tell you my side of how mm. I um, take the starfish story. But how we meet these families was, it was a grind. I mean, I was up until four or five in the morning on Facebook trying to, I found families. And I, I knew I could have went on the internet. I knew I could have found them all. I knew I could look at their obituary. But how impactful is that? To me, it's not impactful. Just to take a photo, put it on the internet. 
Nobody knows who these people are. I want these stories to come from the family. So for two years, myself, Doug, and Deb, we ground. We were on the. We were on the pavement, on the internet, finding these families, not going on a website searching their names. So we all start. We started with Twenty Two Too Many. That's how it all started. And I'm grateful for that organization. If you have time, check them out. Carrie and Dana are amazing. They've been doing this since I think 2014. We started with the veterans that they have um, received over the years and families on there because Carrie came here from Maryland last year to our event to see what we do because we've grown so big. Mm -hmm. And so it started out, I would message families. I would see that they lost their loved one and I would message them on Facebook. I would tell them who I am. I would add them as a friend. Um, I'm not afraid to add people because I can just block them. <laughs> yeah. If they're fake, I'll just block them. Yeah, I blocked and, someone today. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I'll just I don't care. I'm not I'm not scared mm-hmm. um, of of adding somebody I don't know mm-hmm. uh, because I'll block them and I can take care of myself anyways regardless. And so I would just message families out of the blue and they're receiving a message from some complete stranger, and I would tell them who I am. I would first acknowledge their you know, of uh, what they happened to them because it's big and tell them what I'm doing, tell them my story. And I would tell them, it'd be great. It'd be my honor personally, if I could honor your loved one, they would say, what do you mean? Cause nobody's doing this. And I would tell them, this is what we do. I ride. And, and I want to have somebody ride in your loved one's honor. And when they see it, 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 it's a game. It's such a different, of how people, when you see somebody riding for your loved one that you don't even like, I said before, it's very impactful. It helps them cope, mm-hmm. helps them, you know, get through what they're dealing with of their grieving process. So, because the biggest thing is, is the old saying goes, um, men don't die until they're forgotten. Mm-hmm. So we cannot forget these loved ones. Mm-hmm. And that's what we do. Is I don't, you know, like I say, you die twice. Mm-hmm. And that you die, you die, you're buried, and then you die when you're forgotten. Mm-hmm. So if we don't forget these, we won't allow them to die twice. And wow. that's what we try to do. Wow. Um, now, so you, we, like, I, oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, so you've done that with, with all of the families that are on your Instagram yeah, page? Yeah, to every single one of them. Wow. Wow. We have about 500. So like I said, it's been a grind. Um, and I, and I always forgot about myself. I wanted to do so much that it, it, it did impact me because I'm reading these stories before everybody else. And there's been a few that I couldn't finish. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of it's from a dad, uh, cause men aren't emotional. We don't, we don't express our emotions very often. And when a father writes about their son, um, it's, it's, it's hard. And so I, there's been a few I couldn't get through, I had to go back and read them. You know, mm-hmm. and and uh, or some I don't even. It's hard. What do you? It's impact. What What do you do for self care? My personally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a good question. It's right now, you know, because I had surgery on my foot. Um, I finally took care of taking care of my feet, and that was kind of put me in a dark place because like I couldn't do what I wanted to do. Uh, school has helped a lot. Um, going to school, I'm learning. You know the 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 critical thinking aspect of everything, but that's not self care. I ride. I get on a motorcycle and I ride. Uh, that's that's kind of what I do if I'm not doing very well. You know, if I 
needs some Steve time. It's get on a motorcycle, I ride, I go hang out with my daughter. Uh, I have a dog now, so we I hang out with my dog. I've had my dog for about a week, mm-hmm. uh, which has helped. She's cool. So <laughs> um, I know I tell people self-care, but it's like, how do I self-care for myself when I'm trying, myself, mm-hmm. Doug and Deborah, trying to help other people? Um, but they do a lot of self-care. You know, they go camping. They pull themselves away from the organization because mm-hmm. we have to do that yeah. um, and take care of ourselves before we can try to help somebody else. So, so mine is, is on my motorcycle. It's mm-hmm. kind of during the winter time, it's a gym. I just started back at the gym. Like I was saying before is I like going to the gym now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that from Kevin Hines is, is what he, one of the biggest things that impacted me. What he said was, is healthy body, healthy mind. Mm-hmm. How yeah. can you have a healthy mind if you don't have a healthy body? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so put the right stuff in your body. Not not. I think we lose that, that, that drive we don't mm-hmm. all this nutrition stuff out there we see it's oh yeah they say it's got this but we're not really looking into it right of what's is it healthy or not healthy so mm-hmm. i'm working so hard right now to put better stuff in my body mm-hmm. uh, and and i go to the gym mm-hmm. every day what, what sort of things do you do with your daughter oh it just depends she's in school right now so when she's out of school we'll just like for an example, this coming May when we both we both out for school, her and I are gonna get in my car and just go drive. Mm-hmm. We're gonna go for a week or two and just see where the road takes us. <laughs> it's just, I want I want to take her to Camp Pendleton, go mm-hmm. down there, uh, see see the base that I was at, show her history, you know, and show her. We do that. Uh, we go to the movies a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I see you dress up as unicorns. Yeah, we do that too. We, we, uh, I go all out for Halloween, uh-huh. and, uh, which is a big deal for me. She loves it. We, we, uh, I asked her where she wanted to be for Halloween, and she was like, I want to be something scary. I'm like, okay, let's do it. But I go all out. So if I scare you, that's on you. And she's like, I don't know about that. So I, so I had her pick the costume, and she picked out unicorns. So every year we kind of, every year we'll dress like each other. Mm-hmm. And we, have fun that's cute yeah does she know what you do she goes with me to my events like we do the out of the darkness walk which is by the american uh american foundation for suicide prevention does the out of the darkness walk so she goes with that with me Mm -hmm. uh i don't know if she knows exactly she's only nine Mm -hmm. but you know i think she does but i don't think she understands if that makes sense yeah 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 um, you want so, to say hi to her? Yeah, that'd be great. Does she wanna? Does she wanna come sit down for a second? <laughs> say hi. Okay. Here she is. Hey there. She, I don't. She might not be able to hear me. Okay. Move your hair. Hello. Can you hear? Hi. Hi. Can you hear me? Yeah. What's your name? Sarai. What's that? Sarai. Sarai, um, I saw your Halloween costume. Did you have fun? Yeah. You did? <laughs> Who's the mall. That? What's that? The mall was dumb. It didn't have really much people there handing out candy. Oh, so, so you didn't get much candy? I got a lot, just not from the mall. 
Oh, I see. Okay, okay. So who's that sitting next to you? What? Who's that sitting next to you? Dad. Yeah? What do you think of your dad? He's cool. He's cool? Why is he cool? Because he's my dad. Because he's your dad. <laughs> do, you, do you do fun things with your dad? <laughs> what sort of things do you guys do together? We go to the movies. We go to where? Where else do we go? <laughs> we have a dog now. We have a dog. What kind? I don't know. You don't she's, know? Yeah. She's a Kita. Oh, what's her name? Athena. 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 Oh, okay. Okay. Well, that's exciting. <laughs> is Is there anything else you want to say? No? Okay, nice meeting you. Sweeting you. <laughs> That's her. Oh, she's cute. She's a she's a she's a ham. <laughs> she's probably like, what is going on here? <laughs> Has she talked on Skype before? No. Oh. Well yeah, we we did video chatting when she was in Oregon, so yeah. Oh, okay. 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 All right. Well, um, is there anything else that you wanted to mention? Anything else you didn't get a chance to, to say yet that you think is important? Just to, to reach out. Like I, and I'll use my definition of the starfish story. Okay. You know about the starfish story? Um, a little bit, but go ahead and just, and just explain it. How I interpret it is this. Is a lot of people don't know that the starfish story has impacted me a lot. and it's, They brought it up when I was in TAPS. And... You know, back on that is is families they get they get left behind. Uh, a lot of people when they go to their funeral they grief, and that's it. And they just seem like they feel like after that the funeral and the grieving period nobody contacts them, nobody does anything for his family. So survivor's guilt's huge, mm -hmm. right? Like if you lose your loved one, survivor guilt happens. That's the same thing in the military is that whenever you lose a buddy in combat. There's that survivor's guilt of what uh, what could I have done to change, to, to impact it, right? So um, myself, Doug, and Deb sat down after our event. I was like, how can we make an impact on these families? Um, because we use their story, have their, have their photos, and we let somebody ride for them. Well, how can we make a more impact on them? And I said, you know what? Let's go to TAPS. Let's show these families that we're different. And so we raised enough funds to be able to help a family, uh, help an organization, and help veterans. We saved enough money to go to TAPS. So myself and Debbie went to TAPS, flew to Florida. It was an amazing experience. Get to, got to meet Kevin Hines, mm. um, hear his story in person. And he kind of changed my mindset about the healthy mind, healthy body thing, because I just went to the gym and ate what I wanted, right? Mm -hmm. you, know, you know, calories in, calories out, that's that's the old 90s saying. You got to make sure you put the right fuel in your body. And he kind of, you know, talked about that. His story was very impactful to me personally. Mm -hmm. um, it was an honor to meet him. Uh, but meeting these families, when we showed up, these families, a lot of them didn't know we were coming. 
And it was just really, really great that they got to meet Debbie and I mm-hmm. and in person. Because a lot of them can't afford to come to Idaho. Mm-hmm. All they see us is on the on social media, on the internet. But who is Ride for 22? What do they do? Mm-hmm. It's going to people like that, these families. I think us going there made a huge impact on them. So that's one of the reasons why we went to TATS. Mm-hmm. Was so we could meet these families. They can see what we do. And I can get a lot of information from TAPS as well because we're still learning. We're still babies. And we're learning every day of how we can make a bigger impact. And I think that was one of the stepping stones is going there and meeting these families. But also um, getting information from TAPS. Because I don't want to send somebody to, to somewhere if, I've never, if I don't even know who they are. Mm-hmm. So I think going there and learning what they do, I think that's going to help. Because every year they do their survivor's retreat. Um, for Sousa, and they bring all these families together that are going through the same thing. Mm. And, and I think it's a lifeline. Mm-hmm. And that's what we do as well, is we, at our organization, creates a lifeline. Because um, I can't relate with somebody that is a professional athlete. Mm-hmm. I'm not a professional athlete, so how <laughs> can I relate to them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I use that as an example, is how I cannot relate with some. You can't relate to somebody who's a veteran, because you're not a veteran, mm-hmm. right? Or Mm-hmm. I can't relate to somebody who's a teacher in school because I'm not a teacher. Right. And so I think having somebody who's been impacted by veteran suicide be able to meet somebody that's been impacted by veteran suicide, they can talk to each other. Mm-hmm. And that's what our rides do. And also veterans that come is you don't have to be on a motorcycle to be part of our events. Just come and see what we do and and see smiles, mm-hmm. right? Um because the most the what is the what is it uh, uh, the most uh, can, what I can't remember the word I'm talking off the top of my head is, is but oh I can't remember the word it is but off the top of my head mm-hmm. is you gotta smile mm-hmm. you know I I know I'm never gonna be able to bring my friend back but I know he's never gonna be forgotten mm-hmm. so I have to find a way to you know help myself help families um, but that's that's when I go back to the starfish story I know I get off a little bit no, but that's okay <laughs> is. The starfish issue is is a little boy. Let me. I can kind of brief it up a little bit. I don't. I my story is a little different of how I interpret it, mm-hmm. um, just because we all have different stories. But you know, there's a there's an old there's a boy walking on the beach, and he is um, throwing starfish back in the ocean. And this old guy was walking on the beach, and he was like, uh, "Why are you doing that?" Why are you throwing starfish back on the, and back in the ocean? There's, look at all these starfish. There's a million starfish, and they don't know that they're dying. These starfish, when they come to, when they come out of the water, they don't know they're dying. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the same, you know, same concept is is they don't know what's going on, mm-hmm. right? And that little boy is tossing them back in, and he's like, "Why are you doing it? You're not gonna be able to save every one of them." Mm-hmm. And the boy looked at him, and he would reach down grabbed a starfish, threw it back in the ocean, and said, I saved that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've been asked that question is, why do you do what you do when the number's so high? What if I can save one? What if what we're doing saved one person's life? Mm-hmm. It's a ripple effect. You save one, you can save another one. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. kind of what the story is about, is he, is he tossed it back in the ocean. He goes, I made a difference on that one. You know, so... We can't stop focus on the number because it's 20, not 22, it's not 30, it's not 40. Mm-hmm. Um, if we focus on one entity, how are we going to get to the mission? 
right? Mm-hmm. So the number 22 is a power number. People know that that number represents this. Mm-hmm. Just like people look at basketball and think, if you see a number 23, what do you think of? Michael Jordan, right? Mm-hmm. And it's the number is going to be there. But we need to stop focusing on statistics, numbers, 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 numbers. Let's focus on how we can help. Well, mm-hmm. What do we need to do um, to get these veterans the help they need? And a lot of times we need to tell them isolation is the worst thing you can do for a healthy mind. And I, I tell them that. I, I tell them to do research on the Stanford Project. I'm sure you heard of that, right? The Stanford the Project? Stanford, the Stanford Experiment? Remind me. Uh, I'm sure I do. That's but I... Where, that's where, I think it was Stanford where they took, I don't know how many people, was like 18 or 12, whatever it is, uh-huh. and they made them prisoners and they made them guards. Oh, they yeah. Only like a week because mm-hmm. your mind plays tricks on you, mm-hmm. right? When you're isolated like that, you act like that person. And that's why when... People say when they go to prison and they get sent to isolation, they start seeing stuff, mm-hmm. you know, because they're isolated. So we need to find a way to educate these veterans to not isolate themselves. Get out. Mm-hmm. Find something that you can do that helps you mentally, mm-hmm. right? I don't believe in taking any kind of pills. I'm not a pill person. Mm-hmm. I think that we can do self, self-care, meaning get out in the wilderness, I mean, you weren't this way when you were in. You were fine. You mm-hmm. get out because they just, I don't know, it's tough. Mm-hmm. But I think that if we educate them to start doing more stuff with nature, you know, get out, run, uh, you know, exercise is a big deal. Is, is I think that if you start, they exercise more, they're getting that healthy stuff in their body so their mind is working mm-hmm. with their body, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um. Who, who have been some of your, your mentors or people who have influenced you? One of the two biggest influences, Doug and Deb. They're part of Ride for 22 with me. I think that they've done a, they're just amazing humans, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they're, they are my mom. <laughs> I guess I would say I'm mama's boy. Uh, <laughs> if I have any issues, I talk to my mom, you know, just because she's always been there, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, my brother's, he's, he's, his story is, uh, He's very impactful. He also was in the Navy, but, you know, he got himself, went down a bad path in life, and he was able to be one of that 1% that got himself out of that, and now he's an engineer, you know? So uh, you got to find people that are positive around you. So if you're negative, if you're around negative people all the time, mm-hmm. you're going to be negative as well. So we got to, a lot of times it is the people that we surround ourselves is how we act. Um, the motorcycle community is, has been amazing. There's never I've never met the most amazing people and the most giving people in the motorcycle world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they'll give. their a lot of people don't know this, but when you go to a ride, these riders are paying to be there. It's mm-hmm. not free. Mm-hmm. They pay to ride when they can go ride for free, mm-hmm. and they'll give their they'll give their shirt off their back. Mm-hmm. And people, they get this. They they get profiled or whatever, but they're not good. They're, well, you know, what have you done for the community, you know? What have you done to give back? Mm -hmm. What can people do just to to help out? Yeah, to give back or to help. I mean, if someone's listening to this who, you know, maybe they're not a veteran or they don't have a veteran in the family, but they want to do something. They want to do something to help. Um, 
What can they do? Random acts of kindness. Yeah. You don't have to post on social media that I freaking helped a neighbor, you know? Mm -hmm. I think that people that do that, they want that pat on the back. You don't have to do that. Do something without expecting something in return. You know, if, you know, and I'm not a big person about giving some random stranger money, but I'll give them a bottle of water. Mm -hmm. You know, I think if you see somebody that may be struggling, you don't know what's going on in that person's head in front of your line or behind you. Sometimes, hey, have a great day, a smile, you mm -hmm. know, that's what it was. The most contagious thing in the world is a smile. <laughs> Sometimes smiling at somebody, telling somebody have a good day, uh, you know, shaking somebody's hand, hugging's good, but you probably can't hug now because of the <laughs> world we live in. But I like to hug, and that's why I love taps, because mm -hmm. they, they express that. There's something with hugging somebody. You get that, there's that, connection you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. and and so a lot of times is it just telling somebody thank you being polite mm -hmm. uh because you never know that person behind you in starbucks could be having a crappy day and they're not there here and you buy that person's coffee behind you mm -hmm. and you never know what that person's going to be like wow somebody does care yeah yeah i and like it's, that sometimes it's, a, it's a little things but i do mm -hmm. see it on i do see it all the time it's like Oh my! I bought the coffee for the person behind me. Why'd you do it if you gotta tell somebody? Mm -hmm. You know, I think that they're just looking for that, that, that pat on the back. Maybe mm -hmm. they need help. You know, I, I don't ever go on there and say, "Hey, I helped this stranger move," or "I helped this," because I don't, I'm not looking for that. You know? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Is there um, anything else? Anything else you wanted to say? Before I let you go, first I want to say thank you for reaching out to me. Um, it's great. Kevin Hines is if you've if you've never ever heard Kevin Hines talk, find a way to listen to him mm -hmm. live. I mean, I think he is one of the most powerful speakers that I've ever that I've ever ever did. It's the thirty or forty minutes, whatever. But he's just he's he's funny. He knows what happened, and now he's he's doing good i think he's making an impact on people's lives so learn how to speak through him um if you can find a way to go see him mm -hmm. go see him because i think he's going to change your life um also before again thank you but <laughs> um biggest thing is is i would say i do a lot of post-traumatic but depression in general um depression post-traumatic anything against your that's that's bad that's helping you change your mind don't fight it. It's all, that's like quicksand. So if you fight, if you get stuck in quicksand and fight it, you're probably not going to make it. It's going to suck you down. So you have to not fight it because if you fight it, you're probably going to lose. Mm -hmm. You got to reach out and ask for that help because you can't fight this alone. You got to understand that the battle inside sometimes is it's going to take you over. I always hug the demon inside. I think if you just... <laughs> understand it's there and find a way to your own self-care but asking for help is the biggest thing don't be afraid to ask for help lower your pride a little bit because um, we're all prideful and we think this person might not understand but it's if you don't want to reach out to somebody pick the phone up and call somebody um, because people always will say is 
we have to reach out to them. But how do we know? How do I know you're not doing very well? Mm-hmm. But still, sometimes it's picking the phone up and calling somebody, one of your buddies, and saying, hey, how you doing? Mm-hmm. You don't have to call them and say, how's your head doing? No, it's just yeah. have a conversation with the person. Right. How's your day going? How's everything been? Mm-hmm. And I guarantee that person hangs the phone and like, wow, somebody actually does care. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. Little things you can do. Yeah, and so if someone wants to join the ride in April this year or yes. April in 2019, so do they have to register ahead of time or do they just show up? So with with the ride, it's going to be April 27th, Boise, Idaho. Again, you don't have to be on a Harley Davidson. I don't even ride a Harley. <laughs> I have a Yamaha Warrior. A lot of people see what we do. Oh, it's a motorcycle ride. I have to be on a motorcycle. No, community awareness is where we are failing in general. You know, we'll, I can, I'll bring up a little bit of statistics before I let you go. This is from 2016. A little over 47,000 people took their own life in the United States. A million people attempted suicide. Wow. It is the 10th leading cause of death in the United States. It's a suicide, right? But nobody knew that. Nobody knows where their state ranks. A little bit of education, right? Um, because suicide's so high... And when it comes to veterans, out of that 47,000, roughly 22.3% were veterans. And veterans only account for 6.4 or 6.2% of the population. Mm. So you do the statistics on that, a veteran's more likely to take their own life than a civilian. Is there a reason why I think it is not to do a lot to do with combat and stuff like that? But in Idaho, you know, it is the second leading cause of death from somebody from 18 to 34 mm. and from males up to 44. So in veterans account for 10.4% of the population in Idaho. So it's a huge deal in Idaho because it's the second leading cause of death. So I believe community awareness on that is big, is knowing where does your state rank? Where does suicide rank in general? Um, a lot of people don't know that. I think that that's what's going to help is that, is that community awareness and having people come to our event, mm-hmm. I believe, will bring that more awareness. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's what we need. Um, you, know, you hear it all the time is, what's awareness do? Well, I use it. and I use. I have a daughter, and when she gets older, I'm going to bring it up to her. We have Breast Cancer Awareness Month for a reason. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why it's October. There's a reason why we have these awareness months is to – Bring awareness to what's going on, to get the help before it happens. Mm-hmm. There's no awareness. How can you get help before it happens? Mm-hmm. So I believe that that community awareness is huge, and that's what our event does is get more people to show up. Uh, you don't have, again, you don't have to be on a motorcycle. Be in there and see what we do, and plus you can potentially win a motorcycle. And a motorcycle <laughs> awesome. A little incentive. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, okay, all right. Well, um, Unless there's anything else that you, you wanted to mention, I think we'll, we can wrap up. Is there anything else you wanted to say? <laughs> Is there any questions you have for me? Hopefully no, I answered all your questions. I think you did. I think you did. And, um, and I'll link to your website and your Instagram page and Facebook and all that so people can um, go ahead and click on that and, and find you and follow along. And, um, and yeah, I just want to say you know, thank you for the work that you do. Um, it's not something that just anybody could do. And, you know, I, I think to have someone do what you do where you reach out to the families and let them know that their loved one is not forgotten. And um, it's just, I mean, it's just really amazing what, what you and your team are doing. So thank you. 
Yeah, we don't we we don't have titles for myself, Doug and Deb. We work together. Um, we're all founders of this. Mm-hmm. We all have our own mission that we do. Debbie, it wasn't for her. I don't think we would be where we're at right now. She does so much work on the back mm-hmm. um, that you know I'll make sure all of our paperwork's filed. Make sure we get all of our legal stuff. She's she's like the backbone of our nonprofit. Mm-hmm. Um, Doug, he focuses on the motorcycles. Anything to do with the motorcycle. Doug is that person, right? So he's a big, big focus on that, mm-hmm. which is big, right? And I just, I'm just a face. <laughs> yeah. so, it's a good face. <laughs> uh, yeah, I try, I'm growing a beard out real long, as long as I can. So. Oh, okay. Uh, so not just because so. it's November. <laughs> this is, this is. Uh, I wish I could grow this in one month. That'd be great. Because what, what day be on? Like the ninth. That'd be good if I grew a beard like this in nine days. But, but yeah, I think that uh, you know just. Don't be afraid to reach out. Yeah, yeah, okay. All right, well, it's been a lot of fun talking to you, and thank you for, for sharing you. your experience with, with me. So, yeah. Thank you, ma'am. Yeah, all righty. You take care. Yeah, <laughs>